Welcome to the Baby in the Bathwater podcast. I'm your host, Annie McCasland-Pexton. Join me as we rethink wellness in the time of COVID. podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations in so-called Melbourne, Australia. I acknowledge the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners of this land and note that sovereignty was never ceded. I pay my respects to Wurundjeri elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to the traditional owners of the lands on which my guests and listeners reside. My guest today is Rachel Shields. Rachel is an Indigenous Australian woman and the founder of Kin, Knowing in Nature, a provider of Indigenous-informed connection-based education specializing in leadership and wellness programs. Rachel is also a magnificent musician, artist, and healer, and I know Rachel through the craniosacral community in Melbourne. Rachel's original music, which can be heard throughout this episode, is available through Bandcamp at rachelshields.bandcamp.com. You can also find her on Instagram at Knowing in Nature, on Facebook as Rachel Shields, and through her website www.knowinginnature.com. What's the name of your podcast? My podcast is called The Baby in the Bathwater. Mm. And it comes from the saying, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm. And the idea being that um, in the past year, there's been a lot of soul searching within the kind of wellness, spiritual, new age alternative communities. Uh, as we've realized that those communities have also contained a lot of racism and hatred and white supremacy and some quite kind of diluted selfish very individualist thinking that there's there can be a temptation to just chuck it all out and say well we're not going to have anything to do with wellness or you know new age spirituality or or holistic health or well-being because it's been so kind of corrupted by those influences and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about things like conspirituality that are saying, you know, all of these... Conspirituality. Yeah. <laughs> the, the conspiracy and spirituality, you know, because there have been so many um, scandals in like yoga lineages where it turns out that the guru or the teacher of the lineage was sexually abusing students or just like funky power dynamics and, and just weird stuff behind the scenes. Same in like some Buddhist traditions and... Um, it, it seems to have left no no communities untouched really with this um, problem of what do you do when when you've studied 
a healing modality or a yoga lineage and it turns out that it was corrupted, do you just walk away and leave everything behind and not have any connection to the, the teachings or the practices? Or do you try and salvage some of what worked for you um, but disconnect it from, from the person or the group that was problematic? So that's one of the questions that I want to kind of cover, but also I found that a lot of the people who are complaining about the, the infiltration of spiritual communities with conspiracy theories and all that kind of thing, um, that they tend to be very pro-science. Now, I'm pro-science. I have a science degree. I love science, but I think there's also more than science, and there's other ways of knowing. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of energy work, things like homeopathy, cranio, things like that that are energetically based are being dismissed by people who are saying, you know, the only thing that we can rely on now is are things that are conventionally, scientifically proven because they're associating all the other kind of woo energy stuff with people who um, have gone off the deep end, basically, hmm. into kind of these alternate realities with you know alternate facts and things like that so it's like to me the baby in the bathwater is yes i i i don't um i don't want white supremacy you know i don't want to be doing yoga next to white supremacists but i still like doing yoga and i still use energetic healing and medicine and you know believe in in an energetic aspect to our reality and so i don't want to give up on all of that just because it's been that community has been infiltrated with people who are um, who are super racist and um, kind of somewhat unhinged at times. Um, yeah, so that's what I mean by the baby in the bathwater. So I'm trying to say what what's worth preser- preserving in in a if we're going to have a collective community of wellness and and kind of recognizing spirit how do we what how do we want that community to be formed what are the basis of like shared beliefs what shared reality are we building that community on is it just science based and quite kind of like western focused um or is it going to be more inclusive of energetic awareness spirit awareness kind of indigenous ways of of knowing and being in the world and those you know what are, how do we make a place for that to be um respected as much as the kind of western sciencey stuff mm. does that make sense yeah it's a big question and as you're talking i'm reintroducing myself so i'm saying Hi, my name's Rachel Shields. I, um, through my mother's heritage, back through to my grandmother, am of Whalwyn and Gamilaroi peoples of Northwest New South Wales. And so my, my grandmother, my mother's mother, she is a full-blood Indigenous Aboriginal First Peoples Whalwyn woman. And then my mother's father was an Irishman. So this is where these two cultures met. And then there's me, and I'm not sure what my father's background is, um, but I know some of my bloodline in that way. And I'm pretty much deeply informed through my Indigenous heritage. And I grew up 
all across Australia, mostly on the eastern side in the early years. But in that time, I was exposed through interaction to the multiculturalism of Indigenous peoples from this continent known as Australia and the multiculturalism of people from all around the world that have come to call this continent their home. So in having those exposures from an early age and seeing also the uh, varying ecologies throughout this continent and the biodiversities that create country, um, like the answer to your question, the best way I can answer that question through my awareness and understanding of um, let's say what you're saying things have been hijacked from their origins and diluted and polluted and um, perverted in some instances everything's experienced that um, a building is a perversion of nature and it, it holds structure and homes people um, but it's not in its natural original state um, all the people that I've ever met throughout my life are all different. I don't know much until I sit in conversation with each individual. So that in itself has led me to be, as a person, someone who engages, but I don't subscribe fully to anything. Uh, I'm always interested in knowing more than I think I know. And also, I'm always interested in, um, while for myself, I'm not really interested in getting to know too much about when things fall so far off to one side that they're quite polarizing. And I think that's what you're, you're identifying. It's very, it's like polarized, it's so polarized. And that happens in every single community. For myself as someone who walks along in life and I find I, uh, I don't feel a sense of comfort in or around certain ways of thinking and practicing things, I usually try to account for my own reactivity. But then there's just some things where I just go, no, that what you're doing is an unhealthy practice. What you're doing is... Um, it's not true to what it's being presented as. And that I feel like, um, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm always able to be an unmoving person in the world as in just, you know, calm, okay. Sometimes I react because I feel like my own line has been crossed, especially in intimate relationships. It's more apparent to me where I've got unresolved things that I'm still carrying in my heart or have inherited so that shows up. But when it comes to more impersonal interactions, I feel like, um, yeah, I, I watch, I watch, I watch. And then if you watch and listen and look for long enough, it becomes kind of more obvious of what, what the indicators are in the landscape and in the landscape of individuals and groups. And also that thing that you mentioned before about power, so that's something I recognise about people can get to a place where it's actually about power and it's not about purpose and it's not about everything or everyone. It's actually about self. And some of that derives from um, 
a lot of unresolved things that a person carries within themselves and then it mutates and presents as something else and that's where you start seeing that delusional behavior because it's actually far removed from the original interruption so to speak and we see that throughout indigenous cultures just just from experiential exposure where we see um, mobs now in hurting one another or creating these like uh, ideas about culture and protocols that yeah sure culture evolves through time we adapt to the the living landscape but some of it's just completely made up to serve that person or to serve that group of people so it's like you have a deck of cards and they're just adding an extra card in the deck so that they can win the hand as they so please it's just like a made-up card that can be anything you want it to be as long as you're the one winning the hand at all costs um, and that's yeah it's not healthy it's it is polarizing it is polarized and that that in itself just speaks of imbalance whether it's justifiable whether you can validate your position it still speaks of imbalance so one thing I notice about uh, people who work in relation to supporting people to heal and reclaim uh, their own health for myself I never refer to myself um, as a healer so because of what I've witnessed out in the world with that word so I would say I'm a facilitator I'm someone who supports a person to heal themselves and I wouldn't even call it energy I just I just know for me it's an automatic you have blood and guts and flesh and bones and fluids and a life force that animates all of the above so it's not even separate from the whole um, it just is it exists within that mind body life force call it spirit call it chi whatever it is but there's something that we all don't know about that animates living creatures and nature so i yeah personally feel privileged to witness um, that mysterious life force uh, do its thing while facilitating a person who's ready to reclaim their health basically so what i'm hearing also when you're talking about these groups of people that are polarized and kind of out of control um, because it's always them and us them and us and it's always conquering evil or it's always you know deception play and trying to pull back the veil or whatever however it's playing out whatever it is um, it just feels really noisy it feels very noisy and not at ease and mm, so like it's it's just seems so disassociated from what's happening right here in front of you in your own personal being in your own actual life like it seems like always living outside of yourself and never really having your own yourself within your body and feeling your own feet on the ground 
it just feels hectic and it feels noisy and part of what I see is the noise sells sells uh, it sells something um, to people who also aren't happy enough in their own bodies and just want to jump on board something and become noisy as well and basically it's just from my way of understanding it's just it's shifting responsibility it's always shifting responsibility it's like someone and I quite often hear this wherever I go the government should do this the government should do that and I'm thinking but why aren't you just doing that why aren't you just you know people talk about what the environment needs the government to do I think but how do you live in your own home and what do you do in your own yard and how do you interact with your own neighbours and how are you as a person and what are you actually doing to apply any of that in the world what are you waiting for and then on the other side of that you've got people that you're talking about before that aren't waiting for anything and they're the change makers and it's just swung so far to the other side. So between the two, there's there's a balance point. But where the balance point, yeah. And I, I can stand in all those different positions and I can get a sense of awareness and understanding. But I, um, yeah, that's why I don't get too involved with anything much at all. But I'm interested in sitting and listening and learning and looking through that person's eyes but there is a line as well as to where it, I can recognise and even smell and sense that no, I can't even see the person that's got all that stuff running inside them. I see something else. Yeah. Any recommendations for how to interact with someone like that? Should we should we be trying to interact with someone if we come across someone? I mean, the thing is, we don't even see them in real life much because it's, this is all playing out on the internet for the most part. <laughs> but if you did come face to face with somebody who was in that situation where you couldn't really even connect to them because of all of the, the noise and the distortion, how would you try to be in relationship with that person? Would you try to? Well, you can't answer that unless you're in the moment, really, yeah. because it's where are you, what's happening, what are you doing, why are you even near that person? maybe I can refer to it like this I have people that I know and like as friends who uh, subscribe to those realities and that's how I learn more about that through them by listening though so I don't challenge anything I I just watch and listen have a cup of tea um, I try not to convince anyone of anything. I'm interested. I'll even turn the TV on sometimes and just see what the world thinks is going on, or what you know, what what what's being drip fed as a reality right now. What are people buying into right now? I'm interested, but it's like my mind is quiet. Um, if I had someone trying to push something onto me. And trying to really convince me of something, yeah, I'll, I do, I'll just gently put a kind of boundary up because, especially if I wasn't even asking, yeah, if I wasn't even asking, well, I'm not going to invite that in. Uh, 
But at the same time, I'm not going to challenge them or discredit them. I, I can't really answer that question. I'm not trying to change anyone. If I was looking from a position of understanding levels of trauma, then I'd be probably looking at this person as um, that they've got some sort of anxiousness playing out. And then I'd become probably more still and quiet. Yeah. And I think the gift of biodynamic craniosacral therapy uh, is holding presence. Mm. And in that presence of just holding space and not holding anything, the other person's physiology will soon settle. And you don't actually have to do anything. Yeah, I, that's what I've found is... Um how I interact with this is very different if I'm in a session, a, a biodynamic craniosacral session with a client and if they're, you know, talking about any of this stuff, I'm just interacting with them through stillness and presence and spaciousness and allowing space for whatever is happening inside of them to unfold and settle and, you know, usually you, you can then see what's happening from, like you said, from a trauma perspective when I'm not in practitioner mode and I'm just, you know, on Instagram or something and I'm reacting to it, I'm, you know, I can get, you know, you can get angry or confused or frustrated that all of this is happening. But yeah, when you're face to face with someone, like you said, it usually reveals itself to be anxiety or trauma that is um, attracting the chaos, really. Oh, yeah. Subscribing to the chaos, contributing to the chaos. Um, reinvesting in the chaos basically and I don't feel personally like that's healthy yeah not for me anyway I'm not interested so when I am engaging in social media um, yeah it's taken a long time for me to be able to even stay in there for too long mostly I'm not interested in looking at what everyone's up to um, I've just it's like I'm just honing in on my own contribution in that landscape and keeping it real, as real as possible. Um, hopefully inspiring humility within humanity. And um, I feel like the, the light, the waves, the algorithms, whatever it is while we're engaging with um, technology, and how it affects our physiology and our nervous system and our neuro responses is, um, you know, that's part of what I'm aware of and careful with as well, is to not allow that uh, influence to lead me to that type of place. So it's like, don't forget what you're aware of. Um, don't forget that the simplicity of this whole planet is like a staggered event so you know like when you have a race and there everyone's at a different starting point we're like that all over the planet there's different things happening in different societies um, the most recent event has seemed to affect all those different societies globally but there are still things that we're actually doing independently and for me it comes down to the simple things of breathing 
blinking my eyes, going to the toilet, clothing myself, um, eating food, you know, looking outside. And I fully understand that not everyone has food. I fully understand that not everyone has a home. I fully understand the dynamics that affect each and every human being on the planet to the best of my ability to do so. So when I say this is what I'm saying is I can, I can move my left foot if I want to right now. Nobody is telling me I can't or how to. So as much as we look at the forces that are against us or as much as we complain about what isn't happening for us there's so much that we're actually capable of for ourselves so that's where my attention is my attention is invested in that but my awareness is with all the things that are going on to the to as much as it can be you know but you got to be careful what you hook into because you're actually feeding that as a reality and growing it so what do you want to be real in the world um, when we're holding space holding a person on the table and cranio yeah there might be something in the body that is presenting as an issue and it can attract your entire attention you can be pulled right into that space say oh yeah she's got her hip and it's uh slightly out and everything connected to that part of her body is also being affected and it'll suck you right in but as the practitioner you're you're the best practice is is not to be sucked into that space is to just hold the entire body as a as a like as a force that can resource itself so this is how I like to walk around in the world too. And sometimes, I, like I said before, I can get sucked in. So, but for the most part, this is where my position is, is to keep my, you know, keep your whole body awareness as well as, well as being aware of, I just kicked my toe, you know. But if I get stuck right down in, and everyone should be able to relate to this, when you've hurt yourself in life, if you sit there with that pain for too long and you don't breathe and expand and tap into the rest of your body, the pain will last longer. So, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to just keep whacking your thumb with a hammer. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that, that makes me quite sad about this whole situation is I see so many of the people who have gotten sucked into this particular kind of reality story, interpretation of reality, were sucked into it on the premise that it was about saving children, you know, um, and that, that horrible things are happening to children and that this reality has a story for how those children are going to be saved. So it's deeply playing on our empathy and our our you know care and love for children and protecting children and all of the wounds that you know we all have around uh, child abuse and things like that so it's it's played on that deep human caring but then has kind of diverted a lot of energy into a scenario that doesn't ask anyone to do anything differently in their life because 
a group of people is on it and they're going to save it. So it, it's a, in a way, a comforting reality because it's like, yes, horrible things are happening, but you don't need to worry because this group of people is going to take care of it. Mm. So we've all it, it's been, playing on our need to be comforted. Well, we've all been groomed from day dot. I mean, you've got every superhero movie out there. If people took a step back, you know, if this isn't by any means condoning anything, as in uh, what you're talking about, by pointing out the obvious, that people's psychologies have been hijacked and groomed. That's, that's a simple psychological act of watching what the population are doing. We use social media. Everyone gives everything up all the time. You're freely handing over your psychological heartbeat. And just because your partner or your neighbour or your best friend or the guy down the street or your teacher doesn't know what you get up to while you're using your device, the database does. And the people that buy the data, they're looking for the patterns because they're playing with the patterns to persuade the people. And that's just simple. You talk about science, it's a simple science to be able to use pictures and patterns to shift the thinking of the people. And that like we've we've already seen they've they've already um, shown us that there's some great movies out there about things that have actually happened in history where those ways of persuasion are constantly used to manipulate realities. To keep creating division in the world. And that's how wars are played out. That's tactics. It's not even a conspiracy because they've admitted it and they show you 20 years later in a movie. You know, that's it's not even a creative license. It's all based on facts. So I feel like um, there's so much more we can be doing but you never know so some of those things here we go here's the and let's flip the coin again so hyper reactivity kind of motivates people it immobilizes people um, to create new things in the world mainly most times out of 10 because they're they're not happy with the things that currently exist through feeling manipulated or bullied or you know like lied to so then it they it's like it's almost like that amount of pressure whether it's real or not real is what it was required to action change um, at a grassroots level and it's that Oh, those hyper conversations they're just hyper they're always hyper 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 um, that keeps people doing anything about anything I mean that's another element of all this too but it's yeah it's hectic yeah. I think it's really interesting what you referenced about we've been kind of groomed and programmed to expect superheroes to save us like this external figure, you know, you don't, we are powerless, but superheroes can save us. It's a, it's a dangerous paradigm. Yeah, it is. And that's always the thing is like the power exists outside of you. And 
Why aren't the politicians doing this? Why aren't the politicians doing that? There's your superhero. You know, blaming, shifting responsibility and always handing your power over. Um, and I feel like that's, we're going to come full circle. So that's what you're talking about initially, basically, is people have gone to um, just maybe better their lives or maybe thinking they're reclaiming their authority over themselves or new, learning new ways of um, being healthier as a person and balancing their mind and their body. Um, and then, yeah, also they've just been manipulated and used and abused in some instances. So what do you think are the antidotes to us being manipulated and programmed? How can people be more aware of history and the way that these things have played out in the past as well as being able to spot it? Like, you know, you have a radar for when something's a bit off, um, but a lot of people don't seem to have that. Well, I can answer it like this. So I have a radar for when something's a bit off, but sometimes I don't listen to my radar. And it comes closer to home for me. So if I'm feeling like I can't achieve something by myself, but I want to get, I want to progress beyond what I feel like I'm capable of by myself, I might compromise my radar and therefore team up with a person or group of people that, yeah, they're not holding a, an integrity in a certain way. I've done that in the past. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and so that answers your question. And even in a relationship, when my radar's like, ooh, but f focusing on the, um, the beautiful nature of the person and recognising that, oh, well, we all have stuff but didn't necessarily need to go on that journey just to come back to the same point of if I only listen to myself, you know, those feelings, our body is intelligent. Uh, I mean, practice this, just practice. And this might sound a bit out there, but practice holding a piece of fruit and see before you even eat it, smell it, how, what what happens in your body just from holding a piece of fruit? So I'm like, oh, my mouth starts salivaring or oh, my belly started gurgling or oh, I felt like going to the toilet. Okay, now hold, I don't know, a tub of cream in your hand. Notice what your body already tells you about something. Hold a DVD that you've never seen. And just relax enough to notice what your body starts to tell you. This is something that I've found. You already know. You actually already know. But that already knowing, other things are running inside us as well. Like unmet things from our childhood or um, really locked in belief systems or different things that can actually have more force than our own knowing. So, but if you switch on more and more to yourself and catch yourself and go, ah, yeah, I'm really aroused by this thing, but that even tells me, don't go there. You know, I'm still working that out for myself. So I just say, catch yourself, work it out, recognize if you need acceptance and therefore you're jumping into a situation or agreeing to that 
or if you're the people pleaser say you'll say yes to everything that's asked of you and then you end up doing more work than you get paid to do I mean that's just a simple thing a lot of people do that um, a lot of people just need acceptance and a lot of people are looking to belong a lot of people are feeling inadequate a lot of people are feeling unsettled unmet not seen not heard um, people are doing all sorts of things for all different reasons but what if we were just more honest with ourselves we'd make less noise and have to stop coming up with things to cover up our tracks and call it purpose in life this is a pattern I've noticed in myself and others that if we have an aspect of self that we don't fully accept ourselves or doesn't feel like it's been accepted by our society or family or community and then we find a group that appreciates that aspect and, and wants to nurture and develop it we'll attach ourselves to that group because it it's such a wonderful feeling to have a part of you that you had to hide or underdevelop and then to find a safe place where that part of you is really mm. welcomed and um, encouraged so you might find in a group of, you're teaching you know studying something or it's a community or that's around that specific issue and you're like wow I feel fully seen and held and met and understood and accepted mm -hmm. about this aspect of myself for the first time ever and it feels kind of euphoric to begin with mm -hmm. and you're there for the acceptance um, but also for a chance to um, develop that side of you and you do it for a while and then you start to realize oh actually there's some things that are a bit dodgy here mm -hmm. for whatever reason it, yeah. it seems to happen in every group I'm not singling out anyone this is a pattern that repeats itself over yeah. and over again and part of it is because we're going into it expecting them to solve all of our problems and make us feel whole. Mm. Um, but and, and because we're dependent on the group to accept that aspect of ourselves instead of being able to ask, accept it in our individuality. Mm. But then what happens is you're so attached to having that aspect of you supported and accepted that you'll start to accept other things that are out of alignment and there you know you start to see red flags but you're like oh yeah this is a bit off and that's a bit off and I don't quite feel safe with this and I don't really feel comfortable with that but if I leave or if I say something about it then this other part of me that is feeling so good and so nourished and supported and loved and safe is gonna miss out or disappear or disappear or we'll have to go back to hiding that aspect of self and so this is what I've seen played out in myself multiple times and in other people and how I see a lot of people who got kind of sucked into a, a movement or an ideology because they had one or two issues that they, um, you know, were things that they cared about and then they found a group that accepted that issue, whether it's vaccines or 5G or um, a spiritual belief or something that was out of the mainstream. Mm -hmm and something that was really important to them and then they found a group that welcomed that belief and, and shared that belief but then all of a sudden you realize that people in that group are also like really um, uh, anti-abortion or pro-guns or some other belief that you're not aligned with but, but because they accept you for one belief then you start to kind of compromise on your own beliefs and start to... Um, 
kind of feel the need to, to, to distort yourself to fit in with that group because they were the only group that accepted you for the first belief and then it all starts to kind of spiral if, from there. What if everyone just said, I don't feel safe? Yeah, that's what it all comes down to. Yeah, I don't feel safe. And it's like we're going to pin the tail on that, we're going to pin the tail on that, we're going to pin the tail on this. It's like all these things are the donkeys, right? But really, I don't feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes I forget myself too. So say I feel hurt in a relationship. Then I feel like saying, you're this or stop being a dick or da 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 But in my most mature self, I come back to, yeah, I'm feeling really insecure right now. You know, these actions that are happening around me show me how I'm, like I've, I do have a feeling of insecurity in me. Well, yeah, I don't feel safe right now. Usually it's because of something I've already experienced, yeah. you know. So that's that, you know, we, we understand the intergenerational inheritances. We've got thousands upon thousands of ancestors in our physiology, so to speak, because, I mean, we're all born of the past, that's how we even exist. And they're all records inside. Just none of them are playing until they're playing. You know, that story is active. And I was wondering what would happen or what will happen to all the people in lockdown? What's that going to trigger inside? What's that going to set off that maybe one of your ancestors has experienced? You know, yeah. and you have no way to escape that. How's that going to play out through people when they don't understand what the overwhelm is, the cause of the overwhelm? Um, and, I mean, I've experienced my own overwhelms and, and tracking the cause. Uh, it's not easy, you know. So you can understand. I, I feel like I have a, a point of understanding of seeing how these groups form. And it's like what's that saying misery enjoys company and you know it becomes a collective a coagulation yeah. but it also mutates and then it grows its own life force and that's that power thing then and people start feeling empowered somehow but it's it's a little bit um of a deformity you know it's not actually from a healthy position of creating together and that in itself says a lot and it will also generate outcomes from there because if that's the place of the beginnings then it's only going to grow as a beast from there um one story an elder shared and it's an incomplete story but this is elements of the story so out on country or out in nature there's these uh these beings and they live in the cracks of the rocks but the beings don't have any form they don't have any shape they're formless beings but they do take shape from your words and from what your thoughts are so the old, you know the old people would always teach that be, be careful of what you think because if one of those beings is in a crack of the rock that you might be walking past or you might be sitting by that rock that being will take shape of what you're thinking and then it'll humbug you so meaning it will bother you 
um, but it wasn't anything. It wasn't good. It's not a good or a bad being. It, it's just formless, but it becomes through you. And that says a lot, you know. I see that a lot in my clients, and it's something I noticed this year when I was treating people after we'd come out of the really long lockdown in Melbourne, that people who were really angry about the lockdown um, had a lot of intergenerational stuff going on that either they or their parents or their grandparents had come to Australia from a country that had been at war or mm. that the government that had a fascist government or mm. something where the government was the enemy or wasn't safe and had persecuted people and you couldn't trust the government yeah. and those were the people who were really upset really angry at the at the government in Victoria for the lockdown and were really subscribing to all the the theories about ulterior motives of the government that the coronavirus is a hoax because it, the government um, just wants an excuse to control us and lock us up and when you could see it through that lens of intergenerational trauma that those stories and those kind of energetic patterns were there in their field and really strong in the field in these people's families that that story just made so much sense to them whereas myself coming from a different country where I don't I have I have other intergenerational trauma but that not that particular trauma um I wasn't as bothered by the lockdown I, I welcomed the lockdown like yeah it sucked but I was grateful for the lockdown because it made me feel safe I felt that the government was protecting me as opposed to the government in America at the moment which you know has um resisted lockdowns and and it's been a lot worse there because you know, we've got things under control here, they don't. So I was just super grateful to be in Australia where I felt like the government was keeping me safe. But that's based on my experience of government. Um, and, you know, just recognizing that people coming from other other countries and civil wars and, and backgrounds where the, the government wasn't your friend at that point in time. And the government is always some people's friend and not others. Like, you never have a government who's looking after everyone well. But um, in this case, yeah, you could see how that intergenerational ancestral trauma was coupling with what's happening now to create a very strong response where there was a lot of anger and a lot of mistrust. Mm -hmm. And the anger and the mistrust very easily feed into something's not right, you know, so things aren't as they seem, we're being lied to. And then from there, your imagination can go just about anywhere so whether it's right or not or we're being lied to um like for myself you know through my mom mother's line yeah we haven't had um nice interactions with government and yep. policy and uh for myself i have a record playing in my mind that just does not subscribe to anything to do with the government as in um, yeah, I don't feel like I'm being protected by government because, like I said before, I'm the one that gets in my car and drives. I'm the one that feeds myself. I'm the one that flushes the toilet. I'm the one that lives in my body. I'm the one. That's where I always come back to for myself. Um, so I watch it all, though, but I'm not... Yeah, I'm just watching. I, all I can do is just watch. Um, 
and come back to myself each time as to how can I stay healthy within no matter what's going on around me. I mean, that, that's my own antidote. How can I stay okay within no matter what's going on around me? Now, if I say I lived in a unit, a concrete unit, which didn't have much space, no backyard, I couldn't see any trees, like a high-rise building, which you'd never find me living in a space like that personally. But if I ended up in a space like that and I was put in lockdown, yeah, it would be extra challenging for me to maintain any sort of health within myself. So I'm aware that people were made to stay in those buildings, uh, in those high-rise buildings, especially in the Melbourne area, um, and it wasn't healthy. Especially since a lot of those people were refugees and asylum seekers who have first, you know, this and generation indigenous trauma. Mobs, yeah. yeah. People who have real-time trauma have literally just escaped from, you know, life-threatening situations, have PTSD. Yeah. So from those spaces, and that's a lot of emotional charge. So from those spaces, you come up with ways of coping. And we call it, you said before, your imagination can run wild. But that's a coping mechanism. And... Uh, yeah, your your deepest fears mixed with a whole bunch of other stuff playing out in your mind and everything around you looks like it. Um, so my, my dad passed away last year and so that leaves like a fracture in my heart. And so I experienced um, feeling that sensitive more than I've ever really felt before. And on top of that, yeah, I got involved with a person and and through the scary space of grief, allowed my heart to open more and, and then that person moved on. And it was like a double kind of effect in that and I'm still coming through so I'm trying to relate to the people we're just talking about um, from my own experience of it to a lesser much lesser degree so just imagine people who've gone through war zones and seen some pretty horrific things and had some you know unimaginable experiences of abuse but everything feels harmful to you basically human touch, sounds, certain smells, feels harmful to you. So it's, um, it's, it's a tricky place to imagine how people have been and are going at the moment with this constant bombardment of this idea of um, what's been you know, I'm not even going to say the word out loud, but, you know, what's circulating the planet at the moment and impacting people on all different levels Mm. uh, and exaggerating those other things you were talking about with certain practices and um, ways of belief about what's actually occurring on the planet through different organisations and systems. And all I can come back to in myself is... This, these times that we're in, they're, they're really big, really, really big times 
we do have um, that interconnectivity of technology which circulates and circulates and circulates things and so you've got to be careful what you feed yourself right now it's really really important that I would say to myself first and foremost and then um, to others if we were having this conversation just be careful what you put in your diet because you're feeding your psychology if you feel a level of not feeling safe already or if you feel that certain things make you uncomfortable if you stick your head into that reality or if you feel like lost and alone then be careful what you feed yourself um, it's really important to put nourishing things into your garden so to speak mm. uh, because you want to look after your own your own ecology which includes your psyche you know your heartbeat your body and keep that life force circulating um, and if you're feeling like you're part of something because you like that whimsical way of being and not really having your feet on the ground and that's what gets you going I think you also need to weave some accountability into that <laughs> and a bit of groundedness yeah. because that that there's elements of certain behaviors that are a little bit too oneness and lacking the balance of accountability also which are also quite harmful to people in the world who are just trying to get by each day. And I think it's almost like a form of self-medicating, just like drugs yeah, and alcohol. Pretty much. Using one of these alternative realities as a way to escape the very uncomfortable reality that we're all sharing. Yeah. And, and yeah, I'm trying to look at this through a compassionate, understanding, trauma-informed lens of mm. what draws people to some of these... Um, belief systems and and that you know is the one that seems to explain it the best that people are looking for comfort self-soothing self-medicating and they've landed on you know thought forms that pretty much that are comforting mm -hmm. in a way but they're also disturbing and I've seen you know people's energy fields become very disturbed mm -hmm. from spending too much time down the rabbit hole yes and um you know, personally, I chose about halfway through last year just to get off of Facebook. Mm. So I took, I don't have Facebook on my phone. I yeah. check it occasionally yeah. on my computer, but um, not for very long because mm. energetically there's just so much distortion on there. And um, it's been so much better for my mental health to not, not well, be Well, you're not going to sit around watching horror movies every day, right? No. But it doesn't mean that you are... Um indifferent to the fact that there's not nice things happening in the world mm. and I see a lot of people in the spiritual communities drawn to ideologies that make you feel like everything is okay mm. that it's all oneness and unity and none of this is actually happening because it's all just the matrix playing itself out mm -hmm. and and that's spiritual bypassing that's just completely discarding some people's pain and suffering and reality by saying none of this is real but it, it's there's no accountability there one thing I really respect and appreciate uh, through I guess having connection and 
Indigenous heritage being active and alive through me and family members and people that I've met and sat with is is the the accountability Um, and that the dreaming this is an English translation of much deeper things um, it all begins with this actually is real and where you put all your energy makes things more real and um, so you've got to be careful what you create uh, because you're responsible basically yep. we are all responsible so if you're creating a world that has a lot of demons yeah, you let good luck in. with that yeah basically so they exist in this world through you because you keep allowing it to happen. You keep Feeding allowing it. it to happen, exactly. Um, and it's funny how, you know, you might share Indigenous ways of knowing and being in different areas, some different stages, so to speak. And some people love the concept or the philosophy. <laughs> but it's not a concept and it's not philosophy. It's basic science, really. Um and the simplicity of a population or populations of people that existed and I only speak within this continent because that's where my direct heritage is from in that way uh, they lived here and live here still today for so many thousands of years respecting unseen forces and um Maintaining the balance, living with the simplicity of being, meaning not trying to manifest things materialistically, but staying in, within the balance, meaning I have to share this story just to try and get to what I'm saying. Uh, so I, I used to study language and linguistics and this was in the Northern Territory. And there was a group of women at the same uh, school of study where I was who were studying to be translators and interpreters so that, uh, you know, NT mob, when they go to the doctors, they can help each person understand what's being said. And so a young girl and myself, we wrote a song together in English, had my guitar there, and we wrote this song in English and she said, oh, let's translate it into her Yongu dialect. I'm like, okay. So we go to her aunties and she asks her aunties, is it okay if we translate this song? And so the aunties are going to need to help. So we sit there and the aunties look at me and they go, read that first line, read that first line. I said, okay, I am a beautiful woman. So the two aunties talk together in language and then they look at me and say, hmm, read it again, read it again. I said, I am a beautiful woman. And they talk again in language and then they look at me and they say, we know what you're saying. And in English, yes, we know what you're saying. And in English, that's good. But in Yongu way, if we were to say, I am a beautiful woman, then we would be saying we think we're better than everything. We can't say that in Yongu way, but we know what you mean. If we're going to say what we know you mean in Yongu way, we would talk about our country. We will talk about our totems because if we're talking about our country and our totems, 
then it means that we are beautiful women. Read that next line. Read that next line. <laughs> I said, oh, well, I am strong and free. Same thing. They talked in language, asked me to read it again. Same thing. We know what you mean. But if we were to say what we know you mean in Yongu way, we would talk about our grandmothers because it's because of our grandmothers and their mothers and their mothers, all of our grandmothers, it's because of them and what they, they teach us that makes us strong. And if we listen to what they teach us and we be what they teach us, we are free. So we went through this whole song like that. And it was really beautiful. And I, I kind of wished I had this like TV antenna on my head so I could beam this moment out to the whole <laughs> world. So everyone could just get it. Could just get it. If you hear what I'm saying. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I've really been sitting with is that this kind of the white wellness culture <laughs> is so individualistic. Mm. It's so hyper individualistic. Yeah. It's a bit indulged. And it doesn't, it just doesn't include collective and community and connection. Yeah. And that's why it's kind of rotten at the core. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's definitely going to speak volumes. Like say you go on your walkabout and if that jumps in front of you and you subscribe to that, you're not coming back. <laughs> That's for sure. Because <laughs> you don't bring rotten spirits back to your community. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, I think that that just sums up everything that I've been trying to say. <laughs> You don't bring rotten spirits back to your community, people. Mm. Like, that just sums it all up. That's what's happening. Yep. People are out there collecting rotten spirits. They're, they're, they're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to care. They're trying to make the world better. They're trying to comfort themselves and others. But they're but just they're, they're bringing back rotten spirits. No, they're trying to... They're trying to feel something inside that hasn't been met. Yeah. That's what they're trying to do. And the rotten spirits will do a great job of masquerading. Absolutely. As something that's going to fill that hole. Yeah, and showing up as what it knows you want to see. Yeah, and it will fill that hole for a while. Uh, it will fill your hole so yeah. much so that before you know it, you've been eaten from the inside out by a parasite. Yep, that's what I'm seeing. Because it consumes you because you've allowed it to. It plugs mm -hmm. in. And... Um, and that's why people are overrun by these reality systems because now it is running them. Mm. And, you know, I like learning as well. I'm not a person who thinks she knows everything, but I'm discerning. Like, I'm careful. I'm like, well, wait a minute. While this one person who's sharing whatever it is they've come up with in life as something that's worth imparting to others that element of them I'm not even going to take because that's a personal issue yeah. it's got nothing to do with the content that they're sharing so you've got to be able to you know see the rotten fruit on the same tree yeah the tree has a lot to offer but you don't feed yourself the rotten fruit you don't need to do that yeah and I've even got to the point where I just call it out and I'm not interested in being that person for much longer either because even that 
just feels a little bit uncomfortable, uh, you know, calling it out all the time, calling yeah. it out all the time, because I will become a certain shape then. Yeah. And that's not, I just want to mind my own business, make sure I'm actually taking full responsibility for my own business, facing myself, reaching out when I need help and support from people that I feel are balanced and hold a good integrity, you know, of yeah. support. And, um, but yeah, these are tricky times and, I just say walk carefully and don't be in a rush. Yeah. Uh, and if you feel like you're missing out on something, then step back a step because that in itself can set you up for something that you don't need to experience, you know? Yeah. You just be careful. Um, and, and don't we don't have to flip it on its head and, like, go around, like, being the culture police. Like, that happens as mm. well like indigenous mob calling indigenous mob out (laughs) all sorts of cancel culture has got such a all sorts of things are playing out at the moment where everyone's become a headhunter and Mm. yeah but um it's a really great time of initiation i would say it's like a grand initiation can you hold your own can you uh be friends with yourself can you accept that you are enough you're okay can you face your inner challenges that, you know, patterns that lead you to being a person that's bringing discomfort in the world and shake that, you know? Mm. Can, you, can you continue to, to fulfil the body that you've been born into from within? Can you, can you show up? Can you accept the name that your mother gave you at birth? Can you grow into you, basically? Can you grow into you? Um, yeah, can you grow into you? Yeah. Sounds like a good, good starting point. <laughs> Rachel's original music, which can be heard throughout this episode, is available through Bandcamp at rachelshields.bandcamp.com. You can also find her on Instagram at Knowing in Nature, on Facebook as Rachel Shields, and through her website www.knowinginnature.com. If you'd like to help spread the word about the podcast, you can leave a review on iTunes, you can subscribe, and you can share it on social media, especially Instagram at the baby in the bathwater. 
If you'd like to financially support the podcast, you can also go to www.thebabyinthebathwater.com and click on the support icon to make a monthly donation, which will honestly probably help me to hire someone to help me produce the podcast so I can get more episodes out to you. You can also support my endeavors by buying a copy of my book, Invisible Work, An Ex-Lawyer's Guide to Self-Care. The book is available in paperback or ebook from Amazon, or if, like me, you think Amazon is a little bit evil, you can buy it from lulu.com or via my website, consciouslycreatingchange.com. You can leave me a voicemail message by going to www.thebabyinthebathwater.com and click on the message icon. And I can, if you consent, I can include the message as part of a podcast episode, or I can just use it for feedback. Rachel's original music, which you've...